If you're watching this on video, you'll see my black glasses I'm wearing. They're by Genesee, G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com, an eyewear company out of Flint, Michigan, founded, owned, and operated by my friend, Ali Rose. They employ the structurally unemployable locals and recently incarcerated. They are made from recycled plastic water bottles. They're the first eyewear brand in the U.S. to be completely circular economy. They donate 1% of their net proceeds to Flint Kids Fund, aiding in the long-term health and development of those affected by the Flint water crisis. I really like them. I wear them all the time. They're female-founded. They check a lot of boxes of things that I support, and they offered you guys a discount of, I think, 20%, something like that. So type in tea with SG at www.genesee.com, G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com, and get yourself a pair. I'm here with my friend Haskell Brown aka homo center we know each other from well i mean originally from just like seeing all your instagram amazingness but uh have had the pleasure of hanging out in new york a lot and you've been holding it down i've been in mexico i know nothing but i look to you to educate me and tell me how things are going how, how are things going how are you um, i'm doing pretty good i mean um it was a crazy last couple of months in New York. It's kind of just slowly cooling down once again. Um, yeah, it's been fairly interesting being in New York through both the pandemic as well as everything that's been going on, like protests and political actions in the, in the U.S. right now. It's really just everything. It's like <laughs> it's like the entire. It's crazy how much is happening right now. Like we've been alive for however many years, but everything is peaking right now, like in every category, you know, just everything that's happening is like the most important moment for whatever you care about. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, it was, uh, it's very interesting for me because also like, you know, I'm 24 and I'm, I'm an immigrant to the U.S. I'm from Costa Rica originally, and like I've gone through two, two, two sort of pandemics before, but never like this level back home. And then moving here, and also on top of the pandemic, having um, you know like the protests, and especially how it all started was sort of so quick, and it just sort of snowballed right after that. Wait, so I want to go back for a second because I, I want you to talk about, you know, the snowball, but I, I just have to like interject. I am, I'm a fucking ignorant, you know, New Yorker. Like you've been through two pandemics. Well, yes. So in Costa Rica, there were two. Like, I don't know that. <laughs> Can you when, I, when I was a kid in Costa Rica, there were sort of two, because it's a small country. Um, Whenever there's like virus or something like that, it it would it quickly spreads throughout the entire country. Um, one of them I obtained when I was probably like about 11, 12. Um, my family and I went to vacation in Panama and got the dengue fever. I actually almost died from it. Um, I was incubated for quite quite a month, like about a month or so. Um, survived it. My mom, my uncle, and I all had it and beat it. Um, and then um, after that, it was um, equals the swine flu also that sort of took our entire country by storm. And now coming here and having sort of the coronavirus. What, what was that? What 
when did these happen in Costa Rica? When this happened in Costa Rica? So yeah. I was 14, so that was probably about... Like 10 years ago. 15 years ago. Yeah, 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was quite, it was quite a while ago, actually. But, you know, going through it at that age was very interesting, seeing everyone, you know, having to have a curfew. You know, so when he started here, I wasn't too shocked by it because I kind of experienced Oh, so you it. actually, yeah, wow. For us, it's brand new. Yeah, that's crazy. So, you know, like having to have a curfew and having to like buy food ahead of time and everything, especially at the beginning, wasn't something that like my family and myself were necessarily shocked by. We kind of expected it. Um, But as I kind of like, it was more interesting to me seeing how friends and other other, um, close individuals kind of reacted to it. Um, You know, there was like, the skeptics and then there were the ones who were totally freaked out by it and they were the ones that were somewhere in between um i mean it's interesting now which is still happening you know yeah. we're, we're there's still the spectrum of people who are like ah it's kind of it's no big deal like you know like i was just posting earlier today about how you know there's the spectrum of like people how they feel about reopening there's the conservatives who are like don't do it there's the the you know the people who say the economy will you know the the economy tanking will kill more people than coronavirus so they're just like do everything and then there's this other set of people who are not essential workers they are not financially suffering you know they're working from home regardless but they want things to reopen just because it feels good yes that's the phenomenon that I'm. That's the scariest person of all of them because it makes no sense. Yeah, it absolutely makes absolutely no sense. I mean, I understand the essential worker who is like, I need to go back to work, especially now that like in New York, this sort of uh, unemployment stimulus is about to end. You know, in about a week's time, so there's a lot of people who are sort of freaking out because it's like a lot of portion of the uh, of the entire state. Relies on this sort of um, stimulus from the country, since a lot of them will be essentially are essentially unemployed. So I understand those who are like, I want more things to open because I need near income. And totally, that's a reasonable stance. Yeah. Is, is, my, is my audio cutting in and out? Uh, can you hear me now? I hear you great. Yeah. Is my is mine cutting in and out? Slightly, but I can I can. Put it together. I'm someone who I returned to work about two weeks ago, and it's, it's been actually quite quite nice being outside of the house and just doing more things outside of work. But also this sort of forced quarantine that like have forced all of us to you know actually find new creative ways to either stay connected with our family members, but also like really reconsider like what is our artistry and what do we want to produce now. So what was that like for you these last few months? Yeah, I mean, it was, it's been a, it's been a really, because especially living in New York, you're always sort of in the kind of go, 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 without like having much time. Now it's pause, yeah. That you, that you do or like what you're working on, right? Um, it's like from project to project. Um, now it's sort of, it gives you time to actually, you know, digest what you want to do and how you want to do it and like create the best thing that you can possibly do. Um, I've seen so many. It's some. I mean, like even in fashion, regardless of fashion, like 
so many small brands have been able to thrive through all of this while a lot of bigger brands are struggling now that a lot of people are sort of deciding to support like small local businesses. Um, which to me is very amazing. It's like, I mean, like that's also the other thing with this whole stimulus money, right? Um, I mean, a lot of banks are threatened by it because it's the first time in US history where the that deficit had actually decreased exponentially simply because people are not not only spending money but also um, you know taking that money that they're having and lowering their debt. Uh, so many people have canceled their credit card um, debts. Some people have finished paying their homes, their cars, and banks are extremely threatened by that. So it's being it's very interesting. To In see. a weird way, all my credit cards are completely paid off. Yeah, like I'm just not using my credit card much. Like I pay for my, you know, like groceries, but like that's it. I don't leave the house. So I pay for food and then like the occasional, you know, my movie streaming and stuff like that. But not really. My credit cards are pretty inactive right now. No. Yeah, that's a lot of us. It's like. like what are you gonna go shop? Like you can't really, like a few people are cooking more at home and like people are just like, you know, buying things that are more essential, like essential rather than um, vanity things. I mean, even my, my mom, she's, she's a nurse and she has working through all of, the, you know, she's been working through all of the pandemic and she did a lot of overtime. And I was speaking to her a couple of weeks ago and she was like, I'm gonna treat myself because I worked all the pandemic and I didn't get to, you know, buy anything for myself. And she went and bought a new car, all cash. She was like, I just saw the time on me and I was like, she was like, it felt really good. Um, so that, that's something I that a I car. like a lot yeah. of people have seen. Like I personally started purchasing um, a lot of stocks, which has been fairly interesting for me. Good. Being that type of stock person. Um, but I've been doing really well with it, um, which also has allowed me to now dive into new projects and sort of have this sort of unexpected financial backing. That's exciting. Well, I mean, anything you want to talk about creative-wise? Um, Project-wise, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in secret, over- like would love to know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I've been working with a friend um, of mine. We once did a song together, impromptuously. Um, and after we did that song, this sort of proposition to do kind of an album together came uh, came about. And um, so we've been working a lot on finishing this album. Uh, oh wow! I've never really done music before like that. Um, so it's been really interesting seeing what, like you know, what sound we're gonna do and like how it's all sort of slowly coming together. Um, and instead of that, it's, I've been working on like. You know, creating jewelry. So I've been working with like a jewelry maker from Chicago to launch a line of jewelry, um, as well as other small projects. I mean, there's there's a film that I had shot last last summer that is we're just waiting for the go for the film festival to finally debut. So there's it's a lot of small things coming out. Do you already have your festival lined up? What was that again? Do you? For that film, you cut up slightly, so I couldn't hear the. Damn, I don't know why it's. uh, I don't know what's happening. Um, No, I was at. Do do you already have the film festival lined up for? um, Yeah, I mean, we have a few propositions for 
one uh, already confirmed that they want us to show, um, but all of them are sort of pause because of the pandemic. Um, so we're just waiting for the official go ahead to finally screen it, which I'm very excited about. I mean, it was, it's definitely one of the more challenging works that I've done. It was about 28 makeup looks in three days that I did with one of my really good friends. And then on top of that, I, I also was starting on the film as you know, one of the main characters is really oh, cool. being in front of the screen and also being behind the, sc the screen and like, you know, like assisting and just figuring out like um, what characters to develop in terms of like makeup device and so on. So this, that was like one of the most challenging, like small, like a, a small period of time jobs that I've had that was required a lot of uh, energy from me, but it was quite fun. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, the film festival situation is is pretty crazy. They canceled Telluride yesterday. I was supposed to go to Venice, but I don't think I, I mean I'm pretty positive I'm not going because of the you know the travel situation right now. But yeah, I have a film premiering. It'll you know we'll, we're in this boat. Um, I don't really know what's going to happen. I have you know emails from festivals saying yeah let's do this you know but um. I don't know what any of it's going to mean. Um, so getting accepted into festivals doesn't necessarily mean your film is, is, <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, yeah, but, but I'm, I'm going to sometime between September and November, I'll be premiering a film as well that, that I'm excited about, but it's a good time. It's amazing. I can't wait. To, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, man. I, I can't wait to see yours too. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be, I was talking last night, talking film stuff with a couple of producers that, that I'm, that I'm getting involved in, in the next thing, the, the, the feature that I hope to shoot this year, actually, which is, which is ambitious, I know, but I think doable, but yeah, I mean, we were talking about just like, I think next it's going to be a lot of noise, a lot of Netflix, you know, like stuff that appeals to trending topics on Twitter and it's going to be just like the only things that get shown are really good. Like other than the bullshit, other than the, just like the, the random social media trendy kind of films that get made and TV shows that get made. Yeah. I think it's just going to be like really good films. Because otherwise, like how can you justify making a mediocre film today? But in distribution, it's so difficult. It, there's, just, there's no model. The model has been completely removed. Exactly. I mean, like, we also have to think about, like, the last plague that happened, like, I mean, like, a plague for, like, pandemic to, to this scale, after it was sort of, like, a, this renaissance that happened, because I feel like people are just now sort of, you know, they, what is the point of watch something or create something after experiencing something like that, that we're experiencing right now, you know? I feel like the level of artistry is definitely more elevated, and I'm very, very excited for it. I feel like it was kind of something that was needed. I mean, even, the, even in terms of music videos and like you were saying TV shows, I was talking to my friend, I was like, what happened to all of this? Like, I've, there's like this sort of super saturated market with like all of this content, but about like, you know, what, uh, nothing. 3% of it is good. And a lot of it just sort of very like passe and something that is sort of like, just, we just caught it for the, um, the social media trend and then it just died off. Um, what happens, you know, like, we, I want to see more of this sort of 
more artistic and more actually digestible content. And I'm excited because I feel like that's kind of sort of coming soon. Yeah, I mean, I think from a fiscal sense and an artistic sense, it's getting like t- today. It's very difficult to justify making bullshit. Like you know, yeah. you, you, Netflix can do it because Netflix can justify escapism, which is what Netflix is, and that's beautiful. And like people need that, but like nobody else really can. No one has a machine like Netflix, and Netflix like has it covered. There's more than enough bullshit on Netflix. And like, I'm all for that bullshit because a lot of people just, that's the way they get through the day. And it's not how I get through the day, but I'm not everyone. And I respect that people need it. But other than that, I don't know how you green light a mediocre film. Like it, it just, I don't know how you put money into it. I don't know how you unless you're backed by Netflix, how you justify making something that is not super, super meaningful. It's just someone's going to call shenanigans, you know, in, in, in the process. Someone's going to say this is, uh, maybe this is less usage of time uh, and resources. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I mean, even in terms of, like, like a couple of even HBO shows that sort of, air recently a lot of them you know some of them were based in new york and there i knew quite a handful of people involved in it and i was surprisingly very disappointed by it the end end result because i knew something could have been so beautiful that's also the problem are you talking about true or betty (laughs) do you really want me to say the, the name of it Oh, who cares? Uh, <laughs> Crystal Bell and, and you know, Joe Lee Leip and Derek St. France. Whatever, I, I don't, I, if you, you don't have to. I'm just saying, like, I'm not, you know. Betty, for me, I was very disappointed because I, I've, I've, I, you know, like I was, you know, it was, it was based on the, on the original film, right? Um, and the mm-hmm. documentary beautiful. And then to see the end result of the show, I was so somewhat sad because I knew, I know this scene of people, um, mm-hmm. As someone who you know is, is, is in that age bracket and is also you know is in New York, so it was kind of sad to see. It, but I feel like a lot of it kind of felt in the it's young the female writing. skaters in New York. Yeah. What was it because it's not the scene well? Thought it was like a bad narrative, or, or what was your criticism? For me, like I think the narrative was good. It was just like some there were some Paul flaws instead of the way it was directed and the way in which they decided to go about the story. I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of disconnects between the reality of that scene versus the reality of what we saw on the screen, right? Um, I understand that like it would be the show that because it's now tapping into sort of like this queer and feminist identity, um, it's bound to sort of create a, an audience, but it's also sad that like the audience that like, I feel like it was, it was targeting it's not necessarily the audience that I feel like it was necessarily representing because a lot of it was very... Um, I would agree with that. I don't think that people in that scene want to watch it. I think it's for people in other scenes that want to feel connected. Just like kids, you know, do, yeah, do, no, have no, you seen like, like 90s? Kids. I don't when think I, like I Casper... I want, to, I want that sort of new experience, right? And also seeing that and like being in New York, you realize that like that's not something that like necessarily happens in that, right? Um I mean I feel like in terms of like for me overall it was a lot of it was like somewhat was the acting as well as the directing. 
I feel like that was sort of the disconnect when it came for me. Um, Kurt is a tough character. Like you either love her and you buy into her shtick or you just like, you know, every line kills you. Like that character, just every, you either either love her or she ruins every scene. And if I were to compare that one to Dysphoria, it's like, oh my God, it's like that show is extremely- Did I cut out? Hello? Uh, no, I can hear you. Um, but it's for uh-huh. it was like a show that like, absolutely, like even for me, as someone who's like around that age bracket, like I, there's so much about it that I was like, this is extremely real. It was like a, it was like a show that for me was finally a show that I can watch and it's extremely real to a lot of experiences that I've experienced based on you know, like queer identity, writing a person of color, growing up in a big city, in a city, um, you know, like the sort of things that we do as a, like stupid things that we do as a kid that like for some people don't, don't necessarily understand. I mean, even seeing that first episode where she downloads this hookup path and like we're the generation that like, you know, like a lot of us had our first experience was through an app. It wasn't necessarily as like it was before, it was like um, that you meet the person and then um, you have this like encounter with them.
Hey, do you hear me? Check, check, check. Are you are you on here? Hello, hello. Tell me if you hear me. Hello, hello. We're back, like, I don't know, five days later, something like that. Uh, we were talking, and we got interrupted. My, I, I don't know, my internet, something, Zoom was fucked up. But we're here. We're okay. Yeah. How, how's your, your last whatever? <laughs> my last few days here in, uh, in New York. Uh, they're, yeah. they're pretty good. Extremely hot, though. Extremely hot. I here. saw. Yeah, it looks crazy. Wait, why is this not? Definitely oh, in the wrong a lot of it in the beach. Um, where, where, what beach do you go to? I go to Fort Tilden. So um, I'm moving out there. I'm getting a house in Rockaway Beach. Oh, it's sweet. Yeah, no, I love that area. Um, oh, that's a great. friend of mine always goes surfing there. Uh, she's always she's been going surfing since I was a kid. And it's always kind of like every time I've gone with her, it's been fairly empty. I used to go to Rispies, you know, it was like the gay beach. Um, <laughs> but um, it does Is it still? It, it, it is, is still, right? Yeah. It is, yeah, it still is. Okay. Um, however, I think Fort Tilden is a little nicer of a beach. Um, it's more It's more like white people gentrified, like that's where the hipsters go and shit, right? Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It's like the um, Williamsburg kids go there. Yeah, it's also, it's, 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 it's really nice. I mean, like, there's a fort over there, so if you want to, like, feel like exploring a little bit and, like, hiding, uh, going to the forts is also fun, um, as well as the dunes that they have over there. Um, so, yeah, I like it. I like it better than the So, my house is going to be on 68th, I think, which is just east of those. So, yeah. it's, like, right by where, like, what I'm told is, like, the cool surf shop. And... Uh, I'm like right up the street from, so the owners of the, like the cool surf people live are my, are like my neighbors and there's a honey house that where they make all the honey for the city. Um, oh. Patty Smith is on my street. It's real. I'm really excited. Like it's my, you're going to have to come by. Like I, it's, okay. it's a block. Like I'll send you pictures when we get off. Like 
it's it's like a decent sized house. It's not it's not like a mass. You know, I'm getting it myself. It's not massive, but it's like on three plots. So the plots next door are empty. So I have like I could I could play football like in my backyard. It's That's it's awesome. huge. Yeah, so I want to do like an orchard and shit. I want to do it proper. Wait, say that again. Especially being still within the axis of like New York City. So exactly. Overall, that's also crazy, you know, like being able to have such a huge backyard is amazing in New York. So yeah, yeah. on on the A train. That that was like the big like revelation for me because I've been in Mexico for you know the whole year because I wanted the ocean, and then like. So I've been on this tip for a minute. You've been to my house. Like I like I like my house, but like I'm ready to be done with it. But I also am like, I don't need to be here. You know, I don't need to like spend a bunch of money to be on 15th Street. It doesn't matter for my life anymore. So I've been thinking about like moving out to Queens already. And then with the ocean, I just realized like, yo, I could do like it's it's one hour on the subway, which like whatever. Like I put my headphones on and like I put a fucking, you know, who cares? Like and but I have freedom. I have full access and I'm right on the water. I could wake up like uh, my hair is wet because I just went for a swim like in Mexico. And I have, I have the same thing in New York City. So I don't know. It just seemed like such an like obvious big, and I, I have this huge backyard. I think like there's always just sort of been like, I mean, I, I, I get that feeling because I'm like, I'm, I'm originally from Costa Rica, right? So it's like, right. So you're right, used bro. to it. Yeah. It's like all like nature all over, right? And like being in here for so long now, I'm like extremely nature deprived. I'm like I'm ready to be extremely submerged in nature. Which is quite funny. Like my boyfriend, he's Polish. He's like, he's very. He was like, oh, I respect for you because I'm always I'm like I'm ready to go and live the country life again. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I would never expect that from you. You're such a city boy. And I'm like, if you forget, I come from the mountains. Because <laughs> right. in New York, there's such like a lack of like. I feel like spaces that sort of give you enough nature that are that is sort of accessible. Like if you want some type of nature and you live in the city, you have to go to like Central Park. And even then, even you're still like surrounded by like a multitude of people. You don't have like a, a line city. of sight. There's no horizon line. I, I talk about like the horizon, like to my right, I can look at an endless horizon with beautiful things in the middle, islands and shit, birds. You can't, I think it's very healthy for the human eye. I always try to, the first thing I do when I wake up, I try and look as far away as I can. When we wake up and we look right in front of our face, it's like training yourself, that's your world. When you're in a small room and you just look at like a wall, when you look out your window and you look at like the fire escape of someone else's apartment, you know, I think it trains you. Like when we live in Manhattan, my ex-girlfriend, I remember the first time I went to her apartment and she lives in like, you know, on Orchard Street in like, and she doesn't live there anymore, but it, it's, it's like a fucking tenement. You know, it's dark. There's no lights. It's like they are, you look out the window and it's like two feet away, another person's window. There is like nowhere where you can look more than 10 feet away in the entire home. If you, if you look at this, the, the, the street that you're facing, it's Orchard Street, which is like, I don't know, what, 50 feet, you know, like even if you look out the, the, the front face, you know, you get no sun. So you go like your whole day, potentially, not looking more than like 10 feet. That's got to have an effect on a person, you know? Like it definitely does. I mean, I I used to live on 17 and 3rd before I moved back to Brooklyn. And, Uh you know, like I, I, you know, my lease was a six month lease and I left my, my, I didn't break my lease, but I just moved out on my fifth month. 
So I yeah. have both places for that extra month, but it was like, I just felt that I couldn't decompress every time I got yeah. to my apartment. Cause it's also like that aspect of being in the city, you're always it's on the physically go. compressed. So when you're and your apartment, apartment like, physically oh, compresses you. Exactly. And then like, if you go out, it becomes like, like even to get dinner or like a quick drink, it becomes like this whole thing. Right. So you yeah. run into people and like, next, next thing you know, you're Oh my God, up. man. I stayed <laughs> in Williamsburg. Like, so I'm, I'm cool. 17th and third for whatever reason, I guess, I guess like, so that area I'm, um, I have an affinity for, cause I, you know, I, I grew up in Manhattan and like, so I, I grew up 18th and Irving is my first, like a block away from there is my first, like where I was born. I was brought uptown and then like, I love that area, like slightly South of what you're talking about, but like, I love that area. So I don't mind if I'm going to go get chaos, that's where I get chaos. But like I stayed in Williamsburg, my apartment had like flooding and shit or end of the year. And um, I stayed in Williamsburg at my friend's house while they were traveling for like weeks and going out for like, oh, it's, you know, 830. You want to go get some, you know, some noodles or something like whatever, just like go with a friend to get dinner is we ended up going, we ended up going from place to place for like an hour. And then we ended up, yo, fuck this shit. I'm calling my boy at like my favorite sushi spot in Manhattan. We're getting on the subway and we're just going to go get a good meal. We earned it because we fucking walked around Williamsburg with all these fucking Williamsburg people for an hour. And we talked to all these fucking hostesses of like, wait, so we have to go on Yelp to check in, but the check-in is an hour and 15 minutes, but there's three tables in front of us. And like, what do you want me to do? Like, and there's no restaurants anywhere that you can eat at. Like, if you just want a simple meal, like you can't even get into the fucking diner at Lorimer like it's ridiculous I mean it, moving I grew up so after I moved to, to to the U.S. I sort of spent my teen years in Flatbush right um okay so I love oh, cool. it has a very Caribbean like energy to it but uh-huh. um you know after I moved back from 17 and 3rd I moved here to Flatbush I live right in front of St. of Russell oh Park. I didn't realize you live in Flatbush so my family is Bensonhurst and Bay Ridge so not quite Flatbush oh, yeah, but, but yeah. close yeah I, I grew up yeah. around there you know, all the time. You get the energy that like Flatbush. Oh yeah, no, like, I visited my grandparents every weekend around there. Totally. It's not. I, I love it. I mean, it's, 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 I hear the music always in the summer playing all of the Caribbean jams, and like there's always like the spots that are, for example, like in in Manhattan or like in certain parts of Brooklyn, especially like Williamsburg and even some parts of Bushwick. Everything mm-hmm. kind of became how to say it, like slightly pretentious in a way that also made it inaccessible. A lot of times I'm like, Gentrified. I will give you my money. I will give you my money. Like I do want a meal. I do want to get a drink, yeah. but you're making it so difficult for me to get a meal or a drink right now. Well, exactly. Like- and, and, and it's not even that good. Also, it's like, <laughs> we're not, you know, it's not like Williamsburg is like the culinary capital of the world. Williamsburg food sucks. Like every Williamsburg restaurant is the same. And so, so like, let's not get it twisted to the world who like, you know, thinks about like Whole Foods and Williamsburg as this like model of, you know, I don't know, it's, replicating. It's, really it's not right. good. It's really not. There's so much like food there because I was scared that I was like shocked, especially for the price point. I was like, I'm, I'm sort of have a, high, a, a higher expectation. And, St. Anselm is amazing that, and Lily is amazing. Otherwise, like it sucks. Yeah, I mean, like here, for example, Flatbush like, has much better food. <laughs> I mean, like, 
it's like peppers. Like I've talked to my friends in Japan. Peppers and they're like, is amazing. Oh, peppers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like even like places like that where like Chicken. here it's like you know like a small hole in the wall where like they're rude as shit because they can't. Yeah. Um, it's cash only, but the food is so fucking amazing and it's twenty four oh, yeah, hours. Yeah. And get it at any point of the night yeah. um and there's so many other places like that in this area which i i do love that there's like a huge variety of food within um my spectrum of air because like, a lot of my friends are always like you know you should come to bushwick and just move here and live over here but i'm like you guys only have bars and coffee shops bushwick I, food I, is way worse than williamsburg food bushwick is just williamsburg 0.5 like not 2.0 it's just like a less developed williamsburg but back in the day bushwick was cool but now it just became, you know, you can't afford Williamsburg, so you, you go to the second, you go two stops further, and now you op- now they, they, there was demand for the same Williamsburg food in Bushwick, and I had one, I had a night, I re- yeah, where did I go? Like I was leaving um, uh, elsewhere, and we needed dinner, and there's nowhere to eat around elsewhere. It sucks, uh, and we ended up going to a bar that made us, you know, bar hamburgers. And that was it. Was either that or going back to the city. And I didn't. What? Is there like a punk bar around the corner from elsewhere? Yeah, it's probably probably whatever you're thinking of. Like, it was like decent burgers. Like not not that decent. Like totally, you know. <laughs> That's like what it is. It's like there's been so many times that I've like you know I'm used to. You know, I've done a lot of, I used to host a lot of parties and like being very involved with the nightlife and working in Bushwick especially was like hell for me. It's like, I will finish uh, like, you know, three, four in the morning and like I'm mm-hmm. trying to continue. And then it's like, I need that like food that will give me energy and like there's nothing. There's oh, not garbage. You get pizza, <laughs> you know, you get artichoke pizza. You can get the Mexican food truck, taco truck, which sucks. You can get that Chinese place, like what is it, like Auntie Deb, General Debs or something, which is garbage. Um, it's like it's like white people Chinese food with you know like all these you know supposedly fancy fancy shit, which is junk. Um, there's nothing around there. So all this like gentrification development, like Peppa's, is New York. That is like someone moves to New York from another place and they offer their thing that they know how to do, and they do it no frills, like make the fucking chicken and you know that's it i don't i don't i don't care for like all the fancy and extra shit i'm like i'm hungry right. all i want is food <laughs> that's yeah. all that's all i care about i mean like even in in the lower side there's this restaurant called gaia it's an italian restaurant and the owner yeah. she's this very mean sicilian woman and i've been going there since i was like a sophomore in college yeah i mean in, in high school sophomore in high school and Every time I go, she's like, it's reservation only. She only takes like about four reservations a night. She makes everything yeah. herself. And she's, she, when oh, you walk cool. in, she tells you, so this is the menu. You have to order 30 minutes from now. If you don't put your order in, you can just sit there and stay all you want because I'm not going <laughs> to And I would not allow anyone else in his restroom to give you their food. And I kind of love that because like I even told her, I was like, the reason why I keep coming here is because your food reminds me of my grandma's. Which is quite yeah. That's well. That's what's great about New York is you get personal. You get like a person's thing. Like that. That's what's all. What New New York is is not. uh, It's not about the industry. It's not about the capitalism. It's that there's a bunch of people who offer their thing, you know, handmade to the city, and you can walk uh, one block, two blocks, three blocks. Every block, you're gonna see something like that, and that's what's so awesome. But 
the commoditization of it with the, you know, the Williamsburgization of the, the, um, you know, the skyline, the Kent Avenue skyscrapers, like that shit is not New York. It's not, it is not. I mean, have you seen parties gone? What was that? Parties. Like how have you seen like over the last, you know, decade or the last three years, whatever. I mean, the parties have been, they definitely kind of evolved. I think a lot of it kind of, a lot of them had an effect between like this sort of underground culture due to social media. Mm-hmm. The more accessible they became, the sort of um, more commodified they became at the same time. Um, okay. So, you know, like before you would go to a party and it would be like, you know, a lot of cool people, everyone's, you know, fun and weird and cr- you can do whatever you want and you can be as crazy as you want. And, you have no risk of like, you know, like, like my biggest thing about parties now is like, you can go and have fun, but there was always be someone trying to take videos of you, you know, and I, to me, I absolutely hate that because I'm like, yeah. parties are like, they're, 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 especially in New York, like parties were a place where like a lot of people just went to escape, right? It's like, I'm, I'm you 10 years older than you. And up. when I threw my Bushwick parties, there was one time, literally, whatever, I don't mind saying this, like, they used to shoot porn videos at my parties back in the day and like on cassette. And one time, like I was DJing and like one of the girls like literally took my dick out while I was DJing. And like, I had to ask them like, please like, like, you know, like I had to ask them to erase it like after the party, you know, I I don't know if they did. I, I've never seen it. So hopefully they did. But like, that was like, you know, it was such a safe, play like we were so out there we were so wild and like no it never occurred to anyone that anyone would violate that you know exactly i mean like i feel like a lot of parties kind of like lost that sense of like safetyness you know that like you can mm-hmm. be as outrageous as you want and like not be worried that someone's gonna take advantage of you or like that is going to explode your image you know um, right I I left at the end of 2014 before i moved to la at the end of 2014 and at that point, like my parties, we didn't have Instagram accounts at that point in 2014. So like when I came back in 2017, that was a thing. But between 2014 and 2017, I, like I never threw a party that popped off because of Instagram. Like that never, it was never a thing. I didn't have that until later. Yeah, I mean, like this, this, there's a huge problem between like a lot of queer parties in the, in the, in the scene because like, um, as they got bigger and more popular, they try to be more people. So that, like, sort of, a lot of straight and normie people who are yeah, you're also outing of, people well, with like, that shit. With this community would go and then, like, for example, they would do things that's like groping people, taking videos of people, and like so on and so on. Oh, they're like um, tourists. Yeah, they're yeah, like going to. Like, they're like West Village apartment person oh, yeah, is going I, to I Poppy Juice like, to... Exactly. Like, I heard of Poppy Juice in, like, because so, my friend told me about it. The it one was time in Galore Mag. And it's also, it also has effect on, like, the price point of parties, too. I mean, like, right. there's a point where like, parties... those people you know, spend so much money. Those people are used <laughs> to paying 30 bucks to get into a room. I mean, like, I remember, like, parties, like, they were, like, for example, even raised for, like, ten dollars and they were like fifteen dollars and they would go all night all day and now they're like seventy five dollars to enter a rave which to me is like 
what if one of the people who actually are part of this this scene of this community actually have the most money to be going to this you know what i mean so then you end up with a lot of parties which have kind of failed because like the price point that they're targeting to is not for the audience that they're targeting it to um and then the people who ended up going are the not necessarily the people who make the party lively also mm -hmm. so it's like an interesting mix of like you need them but you also want the, uh, the, the, this other people's money as well. So it's been kind of tricky, I feel like, between the scene. Well, feel, the whole ticket like culture really fucked that. things up, to be honest. Just New York, like when I grew up, it was a joke. Like if anyone invited you to something that you needed to buy a ticket for, if there was a cover, like it was a snobby thing. It was like, like we were pretentious, you know? Like if you said there's a cover, to the, I would laugh at you. I'd be like, you, it, it's, not, it's different from I'm not going to pay the cover. I'm special. If you invite me to a party where there is a cover that you can just like, that you can find out about on a listing place or something like that, you know, like that you're a clown. Like if there's, if, if, it, if we go to concerts and that goes to the artist, you know, that's the ticket to see a concert. That's something different. Parties do not have covers. That's just not a thing. That's how I grew up, you know? <laughs> I mean, like even, even for me, like, I feel like this kind of just became in the last past, like three to four years or so. I it happened because like, of the EDM era, and DJ culture. I was like, what? Like, I was like, I don't I didn't even pay that much when I used to, you know, like go to a lot of these parties, especially like punk yeah. shows and parties like that. I was like, $5. you know, like, I was like, pay with like pay cigarettes pay with cigarettes or something yeah. like that like or like give me a beer and like you can come in which yeah. you know I'm, I'm all here for the trade you know <laughs> I, you're letting me in i'm here for that but it's like monetary trade to the point that i'm but it's also that's also the question because i'm like if i understand that like it's because i also have a lot of friends who work and posting these parties and i have done it myself and the money is also not going to a lot of the people that also are like DJs or the host. So I'm like, where is the money going? Right? They're getting a hundred bucks, you know. If, if I wouldn't mind if I'm paying, but I know that like majority of this money is being being pocketed by a friend that like also is a DJ who's in a creative scene who deserves to be paid for their work. But in a lot of cases, that is also not the case. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a weird system. I do know most of the economics of this kind of stuff uh it's whatever i don't want to make this i don't want to go like not not out of privacy out of just like it's a fucking rabbit hole but the economics are fucked up and i removed myself from a lot of uh event you know series whatever like because of those things because like like there was one in particular that i was like it, that, that blew the fuck up that got really popular and is now like an international brand and i was one of the people that started it not because it was, it wasn't my, it wasn't what I wanted to start. It was, I was doing other things and I was the guy that could make their idea happen. So I did. Um, and then I got very upset when they built it and they, I knew the economics. I knew how much money was coming in. You know, we were charging $35 and not needing, we were, we were taking time that wasn't otherwise um, booked. So we, we were, I knew what deals we were, I was getting crazy deals for us. Um, and they were hiring DJs that were not the gay black DJs that created the community that they are speaking for. They, you know, there's a whole vibe to the party that yeah. was already, it's not a new idea. They are just packaging it for new people who have more money. And they're not hiring the gay black DJs that created this scene. 
and they are not even paying the people they are hiring anything close to what they could. And um, it was just prolific. They were stealing the idea. It was cultural appropriation. It was, you know, misappropriation of funds. It was misappropriation of energy, of, 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 uh, of, of awareness. It was a ton of things. It was co-opting the ideas and making the ideas represent something that they weren't supposed to fucking represent. And it was a lot of that shit, you know? And, um, oh, go ahead. There, there's, the parties used to be like radical. Like people party as a form to be like, you know, like radical and just let loose and let everything out. Like, you know, like to me, to parties to be punk. And yeah. there's at some point, like because it became so commodified, I mean, like, there was a point that, like, so many people would get, co like, create collectives, right? And they would start a party. The party would go on for, like, two, three, four, four months, and then they would die off, and then they would start, right. they would make another collective with another group of people and start something yeah. new. And I love that, because it's sort of, like, it is always changing, right? It's always, like, involving different group of people, always creating new ideas. That was, that was like, in, in my day, that's how it worked. We had one, like, main there was like one bigger party that that was happening that we'd take over warehouses and do 2,500 people. But out of that was like me and Tim would start a new thing that was like a hundred people. And it was just, we would just fucking do it. And we do it for, I don't know, a year, six months, two months, twice, whatever. Like we would just do it for however long we did it for. And like until the cops blew it up or something like that, you know, whatever we would just do it. And, and then we do something else a year later, you know, whatever, like, you, you work with this person or that person and it just came it just came through the scene and through friends and through wanting to do shit but now it's like a business model and you get investors and shit and like yeah like good room owes me so much money from launching good room and like it's cool now that it got to a stable place and now it's paying you know regularly paying djs that i like but like so i'm not gonna like fight that kind of battle like that's I'm, I'm i'm happy that a lot of people are happy but like they did that by burning a ton of people and no, that no, sucks that's that that's the way it is they didn't build that from the ground up they did it by burning people yeah i mean like that's the thing with a lot of these parties it's like they all they all become to a very fruitful point but after, mm -hmm. once they get to the fruitful point it's all because of the you know the hard work of other people who get yeah. nothing out of this like i i opened the place and they never paid me and that was like you know what i would get i would get thousands of dollars for what i did there and so they got my audience you know for free a bunch of times they got my contacts for bookings a bunch of times and they kept saying you know because i want the scene to grow i care they know i have a vested interest in it they know that i give a shit so i'm gonna keep picking up the phone i'm gonna keep doing it and i'm like and, and i'm also used to not getting paid <laughs> by people so like i they knew that they had latitude with it and they abused it and they did it to a lot of people it wasn't just me and then three years in they get to a stable place and now they now now it's cool but yeah. they did they got there by by abusing people and that sucks it's not they're not which was a few people and I mean, if I'm wrong, I, you probably know that, that better than I do, but I, I understand it to be a few people who wanted to do something and then it got cooler. Then they did it more and it got bigger and more people showed up and eventually it became this brand, you know, that they could partner with Frank Ocean on and whatever, and whatever it turned into through there. I just mean that they actually like it, from what I understand, it was a small group of people who just wanted to throw a party and then it turned into a business 
and whatever they did from there is neither here nor there, but that it was a bunch of people that started from scratch, you know, and built it themselves. So if they wanted to turn it into money stuff, that's up to them as I see it, you know, I mean, they didn't like steal a, from anyone. That's, that's also a different thing. Like, for example, like, I believe that this, like, if you, because also we live in the age of like uh, social media as a form to develop and create a brand, right? Sure. So there's so, there's so many people who have developed and created brands out of social media. Um, and like so of have been like a lot of parties. So now create a party is also you're creating a brand. If you're developing like a brand, I think that is your party, but it's also the brand and image of whatever you're creating, right? Because even if you develop, you make an Instagram for it, already that means that you're developing something that is designated for that, right? Um, mm. but my, my issue with a lot of the parties is like when they sort of create a, a, a model of like, this is for the community, right? So this is for this community and this is what it's for and this is what we're standing for and this is all what we're doing it for. Uh, but then they go and then do the opposite of it, right? Yeah. Uh, whether it's... <laughs> so then it kind of just like... That's I'm why like, I brought up the Frank Ocean thing. Cause I, was, I was saying like, I don't know if they necessarily did it right once they got to scale, but I credit them for getting there in a nice way. But maybe they didn't do nice things once they got there. I don't know. I mean, even, even talking about the Frank Ocean thing, it's like... I when he did the parties here in New York, uh, the, uh, I think it was like last year. Yes, and, I, don't um, I don't know when fucking time is at this point. Yeah. <laughs> at the knockdown center, um, the prep party, there was, yeah. you know, it was, it was, target, it was uh, marketed as a, gay, uh, as a gay party that was, you know, for the queer community, right? And there was an issue because all of us show up and there's nothing but like it's a bunch of random, like, like girl like like girls that are I suppose like very like big fans of him and a lot of like his straight stuff that works for him that brought a lot mm. of people as well. And then there's like the few club people from the scene, you know, that are also there. And we're also sort of like so there's like we're like the the ten percent out of the ninety percent when we were supposed to be the ninety percent at this right. party, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But then there's like this aspect of like Every room that and it's also going. at the Knockdown Center for anyone listening. Like Knockdown Center is super cool. They put on great events, but the way that Frank Ocean narrative came out was like Frank Ocean's doing a cool underground for the people, by the people, New York City. You know, underground this, underground that, and then they like Knockdown Center is not underground. Knockdown Center is like huge, thirty thousand person ticketed events. They did it in the basement, I think, but like still, yeah, it's like yeah, basement. which is like um, still really big compared to what they kind of projected it at like if i was doing a party that i was going to call like underground we're talking about 75 people in a basement somewhere like not underground at all in the sense of like yeah. even in terms of underground words because it's like you know you have to have a ticket to get in right and yeah. then you have to like you know go through like two three phases of security to right. then be able to get in uh once you're there in, was a guest list there was like there was a super yeah, process to getting the invite and stuff you know it was it was too much and then like you you get in i mean like there's i've never in my history of partying in new york left any party before midnight and <laughs> four times i left his party before midnight yeah. um and a lot of it was like because we my friends and we we're all my friends and i would be there and we're like this is just not fun like we were like we want to dance Fuck, and this yeah. is not giving like the energy that we wanted so it's like we we're like you want to just get in the uber and go to bossa so we'll go to yeah. bossa nova <laughs> and like that to me was more of what he was um 
trying to target that rather than that. I mean, even I have I've, I had a few friends that worked in the Bossa Nova's run well. by Disc Woman by the same people who run Disc Woman, which is a I mean I don't know what you classify just LGBTQ everything and just like all whatever like all the classifications I can list. Um, they're great and they're real scene makers and they champion people and they build careers up and uh, they also book Bossa Nova. I mean, like, so the only reason why we went was because I got a text from a friend saying, oh, hey, so, like, Frank is telling, like, so Frank is messaging people that, like, this, the, 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 the list is kind of too straight. So we need, we need more, we need more queers. And, like, that's also the thing. It's, like, um, you know, like. They, now you're, like, a promoter. <laughs> We're commodifying. It's, like, yeah. you know, like, a party becomes cool if you have a bunch of queer people dancing around because you know i mean like let's say it, we always turn up on full looks and we always we always yeah. will make the best where we are you need um, your id mag article to look good you know like <laughs> you need this magazine to look to get all the have all the people in it yeah exactly which is to me it's like that's it's like it, it's it, if you want that didn't just inherently invite you know figure out what this community is what this scene is and invite everyone from this from that community you know like hey i'm doing this party and just make it fully accessible not who's just done it. it has anyone you know has anyone done what you're talking about in a nice way um actually yeah there's been a, one of my favorite parties is called this gate um it's run by two amazing Wait, say it again i want to write it down Sweet cakes? This cakes, D-I-S cakes. Got it. Okay. And it's run so by, I'm coming uh, back next week. I wanna I wanna own you know. it's called it's it's run by Polly, um Polly Cakes and um Marley. She Marley is as her Instagram handle. And they're both amazing DJs. And so what they do is so they so they do um what they call allyship tickets. So it's it's for those people who have who are like, hey, I the ticket is ten dollars. I have $30 that I can spare. So let me just take give $30. And that extra money goes to um, hey, giving, paying extra for, for, for the people who are working the party and also for those who do not have the monetary funds to be able to enter the party. And once you get to the That's party, awesome. there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a password that you can say at the door if you do not have any funds to be able to be let in for free without any questions being asked. Um, uh, queer and trans people, if in particular, are in a let in for free, especially if they don't have any funds or anything. Um, they make sh they make extremely sure that every party is uh, extremely safe. We have they have done raves where you know like the venue try to charge for water and then which turned for them that like they were like they just ended up dropping a lot of their own money to buy water so if it's fully accessible for everyone in the in those spaces because. Let's be honest, if you're throwing a rape, I feel like it's extremely humane not to have free water. That's that's really weird to hear because that was something that like when I was young, like when I was in high school, that was an issue. But like that got resolved. Like people were like, you have to just make water free at every event. And that, but that was a long time ago. So that's surprising to hear that that's still a thing that people are still not allowing access to water. Like that was like an output that you, you can always get free water. Like. Yeah, no, even, I mean, like, even I myself have been in situations where, like, 
like you know i was at a, a rave and like some random warehouse and it's really late and i'm like fuck i didn't even bring my wallet or anything because right. why would i bring it like, um and next thing you know you're like you i'm like fuck it i'm just gonna tr- drink out of this sink or like i would try to find like the green room and like get my friends to like bring me water from there yeah um which for me i'm like it's a rave you know you know that people are going to be in substances and like let's just make it a safe space for everyone yeah. Not this. Don't be a capitalist asshole and try to make money out of people. You know, like possibly intoxicating themselves right. or like harming themselves. Yeah, because they're gonna get something. Yeah. Hmm. And it's also like, listen. I mean, like the 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 to say that you're going to have a rape and no one is going to take any substances that will dehydrate oh, well. them is absolutely. <laughs> That's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm like making it not accessible. It's like, I mean, like, I'm like, you can charge for it, but also have one that is free. So people at least have the choice. Yeah. Has stuff been going on during pandemic? So there's been a lot of um, what we call uh, protest raves. Wait, shit. One second. My, my, uh, I have a delivery. One second. You're good. Pause. Give me like 30 seconds. See, you okay, you're, you're telling me uh, pandemic protest parties. Yes. So um, we can never shut down a rave during a pandemic, but we can always have a protest. Everyone is following. <laughs> Which is guidelines. hilarious. Like <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is following the guidelines of, you know, wearing your mask. Yeah. Using sanitizers and socially raving <laughs> from like you know like separating themselves from like bigger groups which um has been it's been very nice because i feel like there were sort of like a lot of people in the in this scene after everything that's sort of been happening like the black lives matter movement um you know like the covid 19 thing as well as like everything that's happening with like the native american community it's kind of like everyone just felt like the world is sort of coming down and collapsing on all of us and you know, like some of one of the best medicines is music and dancing. So I feel like a lot of a lot of people sort of have, I've seen re-energize themselves and like also sort of been great and sort of built a lot of community. And we hear um, a lot of people sort of the community especially has helped a lot of people in the sense of like they have mobilized very well. They raise they, they use these raves or like this like protest uh, raves to raise a lot of funds for um, for bailout projects awesome. um, or, uh, you know, gear for people who are protesting, for food for people who need, like, community fridges and so on. Yeah. So it's not necessarily, it's, 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 it's become, it's something that it also helps other people the same way that it helps the attendees that are there, the same way that it also pays the artists that are being involved in it. Um, so it's like a win-win for everyone, which is kind of ironic that it took this to go back to what the root of all of the parties were, which was that. To me, That's that was the, the first thing. It's funny, you know, I, I, this is like, I'm, I'm, on, I'm up to like 60 of these now. And, uh, but since the beginning of all this, like the first thought was like, oh my God, like we could go back to like scenes and niche. Cause you need to know that like your people are, are, are cool, are, are like, the whole point of a scene is like, you have a, um, it's a filter. Yeah. You know, and there's a process like every scene has a different, you know, uh, construction of its filter, but it's like you get there, not because it's exclusive, but you, but there, a process is created whereby 
people are filtered and you end up with a room with the right people who are like-minded, whatever. Um, and that went away and it just meant if you could find out about this and buy a ticket, then you get in. But now like we give a shit who's in the room. It's not just us being sour grapes. Cause like, Oh, this is a whack energy room. Like people, people are going to actually do something about it cause it's their, their health. And so you want to be around people that you, you know, vouch for, and you don't want to bring your friends to a place run by people that you don't vouch for. So how does, so how does that happen? That's a scene, you know, that that's, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, what do you think is going to happen next? Great. I mean, it, it, it gives me hope that like, you know, like also a lot of, I must say a lot of DJs have been sort of killing it. Amazing. Oh yeah. I don't know what being in quarantine and just being locked in a room have done to them, but it, their sets have been sort of amazing. I feel like it's in the fact L- that live no sets or, uh, or, or live streams. Um, both actually, a lot of like both have been really, really good. Who, Especially who do you like lately? Live, the live sets. Yeah. Um, uh, one that I'm really obsessed by right now is um, Unpuke, um, because they mix a lot of like um, Spanish, um, sort of uh, they mix like a lot of like dance hall, Spanish, and English music all together. And like, I love all those three mixes. So I'm like, hey, cool, kind of taps into a lot of my myself. Um, so I love that. Um, and they do a lot of techno as well, which I also love. All of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, like, it gives me hope that like the community is sort of going to leave all the ego, social media bullshit behind. Right. Have you seen re- people's phones out at these things? Are people like, are people... No, actually, okay. people are not doing it. Because it's also, they, there's this understanding that like when, if you do that, you're putting people at risk of... Right. A, surveillance, and B, the cops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you do not want that, you know? Like, that's what we're fighting. So people are abiding by that. That's cool. That's great. Because everyone knows great. that. Everyone's gotten that message. It's just like, I don't know if people, you know, just because they know about it doesn't mean they're going to act right. You know? I mean, I'm sure that they, they, they would always face those who, you know, will infiltrate. I mean, like, there was a one that happened like a couple of weeks ago, and it was like a, like a blood party, and there was like a few far-right people who tried to, you know, interfere with it uh but what the people just do they just kept dancing and dancing even harder to their techno uh, hmm. to the point that the, the far right people could realize that whatever they were saying just was not rubbing in and people were just la- they just laughed and i love that you know because it's like you're Good. fighting you're fighting so much hate with what with music and dancing yeah it's amazing that's what it's for yeah exactly. that's what it's all that's what you know music is supposed it does, to it, 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 it gives me hope that like when all of this is over, like people, people's sense of humanity is going to slowly be, it's returning, you know, it's returned and like people are going to now try to have, you know, better and more genuine interactions with everyone, you know, and they will not take interactions for granted because we now know what it, what it is to have everything stripped in a way that quick, you right. know, so I feel like whatever interactions that we have now, we're, we're going to be more appreciative of, of them. How do you think it's going to affect like the freelance, the gig economy, I mean, makeup artists, like you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, I do a lot of makeup and for me, it hasn't really affected as much because fashion is still, it's still its own monster and it's still sort of going. Um, so it hasn't really have had much of an impact uh, on me. And like, same with a lot of, uh, I feel like if anything, a lot of my friends who, 
do freelance work are sort of being where like, wait, do I really need to be in New York to continue to freelance? Because that sort of was like the, the idea before. It was like, I have to be in the city in order mm-hmm. to make it, right? Um, and I feel like a lot of people sort of have had this realization of like, wait, it's so expensive to be here. What am I doing? You know, what am I doing here? I'm still doing work. I can still do work from anywhere. Um, or I can just do something else. Um, well, if you're doing so makeup, like you have to physically be there. But if you're doing graphic design or something like that, yeah. you know, that's remote. But that's also, that's also tricky. So for, with makeup, I can also send instructions. On how uh, well, to- sure, yeah. Okay. That's also another another way that I found I found like a loophole around it to not be having to physically be there, but sort of like be on so camera. You could build like of- packages that just are passive, exactly. you know, that's passive out. income. Someone could purchase yeah. that for X amount and that's it. And you don't even have to think about it. That's awesome. That's brilliant. I love that. Exactly. Like, but it, it took this <laughs> to realize. Oh, you never thought of it before. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> but it took this to realize, you know, like it took this pandemic to realize that's big yeah that's really cool to 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 multiple um, yourself you know yeah i mean like and i feel like a lot of i i feel like the majority of realization even like with a lot of people that work in fashion like i was i had a meeting with uh, a couple of sponsors and really good friends of mine they were like we were all talking about sort of like what is fashion what is happening and then they were like saying well the only people who are actually shopping and shopping the most are you know a lot of drug dealers because like they're making oh. like the ones who are like <laughs> the very very essential business right now and yeah. all of the sales are cash so you see right. like Gucci, Versace, like uh, Chanel, all of these really huge retail stores having all cash sales which, which for them is also amazing because they don't have to pay sell taxes if it's all cash right uh, so that's like that's great um, so I kind of I feel like it's sort of been in this weird cycle of like it's working for a lot of people but there's, and there's also a lot of these people who were like the ones who were obsessed with like getting the latest and newest thing that come out not realizing mm-hmm. we're like well I don't need that like there's so many friends who like were like that type of people who were like I need this new bag I need this I like I need that um and now that like they've been like stuck at home they were like well there's no point on all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I that's like right now, like I have, I've had my clothing brand like just sitting in stock. Like I was going to launch it a few months, like a while ago. I, I, you know, I launched a while ago. I was going to, I was going to like relaunch earlier this year. And I've just been like, I think I'm going to do it finally now, but I've just been of no, this mind of like, do I really want to push clothing on people right now? Yeah. That's also the thing. It's like, there's been a huge, uh, sort of community oriented sort of buying so everyone buys responsibly now they just mm-hmm. don't throw their money out and buy whatever i feel like if all of the people who i know who are doing really well are people from you know who are like local businesses like all the local businesses that like the majority of them are fucked you know yeah like a lot of my friends brands like double their sales after this all started because people started to realize that like why would i spend so much money for this corporate shit that like doesn't give a fuck about people or anyone, you know. What are some brands that you fun. really like? Um, one of my favorite ones is Possessed. They do a lot of, um, you know, like leather and um, PVC work. They've they've been sort of pioneering throughout like all of this COVID nineteen. They they work with the city to to do um, over five thousand masks for the for the city oh. and the nurses, which is amazing. Um, Outside of that, I love I love Bond Hardware as well because they've been donating a lot of their proceeds um, to people 
um, I love their jewelry as well. Another one is Hardiman, which for, is from LA. Um, they do all that uh, denim work and like, and like I said, all, a lot of their, their work, their money has been donated to people um, as well. But there also is only two people that, you know, work in this company and they've been selling a lot of stuff. Like I have a friend, he owns um, Anger TV. It's the name of the brand. Name, the, name brand the brand is Anger. Uh, it's like a punk brand. Uh, they do a lot of shirts and they, what they decided to do was sort of create like collectible shirts. So they were only make like 500 of each shirt or like 200 of each shirt and then um, sell it. And then whatever, if you didn't get it, then you didn't get it. But um, they would also use 50% of all proceeds and donate it to whatever cost. And they would all show also the receipts of where the money is going and, you know, show that they scare. Like, first of all, there was like whole thing with like Virgil from, um, what is, what was that? Uh, my God. What, Off-White Louis Vuitton? Yes, the Off-White, dude. Yeah. Um, how he donated the $50 to the Black Lives Matter and then a bunch of people sort of took that as like highly offensive based on how much money yeah. he has and how much um, everything that, he's, that he makes is retail for. Um, so to see like a huge brand like that only give that much, but then seeing yeah. small brands that also are, you know, barely going donate, you know, 50% of the, like, you know, like their net sales is like amazing. That's, it it that's gives you like a sense of like, well, like if I'm if I'm going to give my money to someone, I'd much rather give it to someone that like at least is being responsible with you know like their source, like how they're sourcing their their the materials. Um, they're making sure that everything is being done in a way that is like humane and like not in a fast fashion type of way. Um, and also that are aware about like you know like the issues that are happening around us. You know, so I feel like even that now sort of become like shopping nice, has become yeah. like a radical thing. Yeah, I mean, people just giving a shit a lot more about all things, really. It's been a and I, I love it. I, I love it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's fine. Especially New Yorkers, we're we're kind of known for like never giving a shit about a, mm-hmm. about a lot of things. So, um, if anything, I feel like New Yorkers sort of have this sort of innate. Like stubborn mentality of like it is our way or the hard way and it's only whatever we want to do right now it's kind of changed and it's like it's all of us you know because yeah. it affects all of us which which is great beautiful i'm coming back next week sweet i can't wait to see you man it's been so long yeah it's like it's crazy i've been by myself for pretty much the whole year it's wild wow i wonder what new york i'm, I'm excited to see new york changed this much and and like quiet and I'm really excited to like skate empty New York city. That's like, I, I like, I'm dreaming of this, like skating down avenues that I could never skate down before and just going like full speed. Like, Oh my God. Friends, a few friends of mine, we rode all over the city a couple of few weeks ago. And it's crazy. I never was able to like, it was like five of us and all five of us yeah. are like biking in like a line, like a straight line. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> and that was, that would never have been able to happen before, you know? And it, it kind of was like one of those things that like, it felt like we were in like, um, like a, like a movie type moment. Uh, yeah. Just based on how also beautiful the city can be when it's kind of empty too. Um, I'm going to start shooting a film. I re I edited a script that I wrote last year that was um 
not a short related to the to the feature I'm doing right now, but but another short that I rewrote for like it was already kind of like two people, sort of phantoms like in their own place, but like I rewrote it to actually be an empty New York City. So like I'm excited to shoot because it worked better for the film actually that that the city's empty. So we're gonna we're gonna try and do that like you know asap because I want it to be empty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like there's Vanilla Sky, quite, you know, it's cool. Yeah, there's something quite beautiful and romantic about a city that never sleeps, right? Being fully empty and kind of, yeah. you know, it's kind of like a romantic love story even within the city, which I'm yeah, kind I'm of, I, I, I love seeing the city so empty and so desolate. I do miss this energy, but like there's something really beautiful about it's it. It's okay. It's, it's like, okay to not, you know, constant energy like like that's what i've said to a lot of friends is like this isn't you know there's there are losses like that happened and it will continue to happen but like it's just change you know just like it's just different it's not a canceled year it's not a lost year it's just a different year and i for one uh, many things that you say like i'm happy that we're stopping a lot of the things that you know the way that it was 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 valueless it's probably like loud music. <laughs> oh, fuck. I don't know. Um, I mean, there's like nobody here. For me, it's sort of this realization of like, do I need to be in New York, or like, can I, or do I just live in New York part time, like half? That's where I'm at. Yeah, I was already thinking that. Yeah, I was already thinking I've come to New York to do stuff, but I leave when it's done. You kind of beat me to the Mexico thing. I I wanted to go to Mexico at the end of the summer and just be like, okay, so I'm only in New York for the summer and then I'm in Mexico in the winter. Yeah, Um, my plan was to get a house in Oaxaca in October. Wow, that's amazing. And so I was like, especially that sort of like, I guess, say like the need of like missing, missing like nature was like, why this kind of has happened. Dude, do it. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I've been I'm going to convince- get my Rockaway house, which is like the compromise because I want to shoot my film, but which is in New York, but other, but I'm going to leave once we're done shooting and for the winter, it'll be a little later, but I'm probably going to do that. I'm probably just going to take two months, uh, you know, December, January and do, or maybe three months. I don't know. We'll see, but, and, and get a house on the water and do that again, you know, come back here. Yeah, so, like, when, when I was like, Throughout COVID nineteen, like I, I felt really happy that like so I live right in front of like in front of my window to my bedroom window I can see Crosser Park, and awesome. through all of it, that's kind of what kept me sane. It was being yeah. able to like go on a walk in the park and just like hide there and just like forget what's going on. So and then I thought about my friends, who, you know, like lived in like in a tiny shoebox apartment with like seven other people. They might be sharing a room with someone else, and they're paying tons of money and i was like oh my god i honestly would have hated my life that's really tough a lot of people are doing that and and a lot of people never even left like a lot of people are still doing that and it's i'm so lucky to have skipped that yeah sunlight is so important yeah i mean you've been to my apartment like i get no i have my backyard but it's like it's not i don't really get any light and if I was there for months at a time, like, dude, I don't know what I would be like. That's not a place that you want to spend, you know, three, four months in. 
because it's like the only place that you could get it is would be in your backyard and but i barely get it yeah i'm just surrounded by other buildings like it's not really outside you know yeah i mean like that's that's the thing about it it's like i i honestly i'm very happy (laughs) this is what i'm looking at instead so that's amazing that's how you know like even that like i'm sure like whenever you wake up in the morning and it's like you're waking up that's the sun i wake up and i look at at the at the horizon at the ocean like that's my this is my view yeah and i'm right i'm right there i just got out of the water like i you know it's five days how many people do wake up with just the sunlight (laughs) so my new house has has skylight i'm i'm my bedroom would be in the top and it's all so i'm just like gonna wake up to the sun hopefully like i'm gonna i want to get that schedule because i don't it's not like i'm gonna go out you know when i'm living in rockaway beach i'm not like gonna be out till 4 a.m and then like you know take a 70 dollar uber from manhattan like i'm not gonna do that like i'll i'll either when i'm sleeping at rockaway beach like i'm just gonna go to bed when it gets dark you know (laughs) and if i want to be in the city i'll stay at a friend's place or i'll get a hotel and that'll just be my life you know like if i want to go out at night i mean Uh, i'm not gonna like dj and then go back to park, go, go back to Rockaway beach for an hour. No, I'm going to just make a night of it and be in the city. So I think when I'm in Rockaway beach, which is going to be the majority of the time for the next few months, at least I'm just, I'm going to be in like this super healthy meditative state where like when the sun goes down, like it's kind of the end of the day. And, I, and then I wake up super early. I'm going to wake up at you know, six, 7am, whatever. And that's what I do here. It's nice. And I, I go to bed to sunset. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's that cool. Fucking amazing. I love. Yeah. I love that. It's like, man, you have to be. You can go for a walk. You get right. you get an amazing breeze also. Yeah. And tons of sunlight, which is yeah. I'll like send you the pictures of the new place. Like that proximity of New York. Yeah, I'm excited for it. You'll have to. We'll we'll do like. Uh, I want to build like a big garden in the backyard, like an orchard and shit. So. I want to make it like a big, like all the friends project. Cause I don't know what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> so I'll, I want to have everyone by, but dude, you have your, uh, you have another, I, I know you have another thing in a few minutes. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to bleed into it, but uh, thank you for all of this. And uh, it's always a pleasure to connect. Uh, you have to show me stuff when I get back, we'll, we'll get together. We'll get tea. And you got you got to show me whatever's going on. I have I've been out of it for the whole year, <laughs> so no, you got to catch me up. To like the New York <laughs> yeah, I don't know what New York is today. I have no idea. <laughs> Next yeah, week I'll find out. Being, being a newborn all over again is always also fun too. Uh, oh, it's awesome! No, I'm excited. I'm 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 ready and excited. All right, man. Well, it was, it always it's exciting with you, like always. Always. And I can wait to see you. You say you'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, I've been looking I'll be back Saturday. That. Yeah, I'm coming back Saturday. So I'm, I'm going to stay at my, my, you know, my Chelsea place for a couple of weeks and then move into the Rockaway house. Yeah, we'll so, yeah. And yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Thank you. As much as you can while you're there. Yeah, no, I just got out of the water. I'm going to go in. I might go in again tonight. I don't know. We'll see. But it's like super warm now. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. All right, man. Well, enjoy the night. Thank you again. And uh, I'll hopefully see you soon. Did it cut out? I don't know. I think I cut out. Do you hear me? 
If you're watching this on video, you'll see my black glasses I'm wearing. They're by Genesee, G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com, an eyewear company out of Flint, Michigan, founded, owned, and operated by my friend, Ali Rose. They employ the structurally unemployable locals and recently incarcerated. They are made from recycled plastic water bottles. They're the first eyewear brand in the U.S. to be completely circular economy. They donate 1% of their net proceeds to Flint Kids Fund, aiding in the long-term health and development of those affected by the Flint water crisis. I really like them. I wear them all the time. They're female-founded. They check a lot of boxes of things that I support, and they offered you guys a discount of, I think, 20%, something like that. So type in tea with SG at www.genesee.com, G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com, and get yourself a pair.